You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Well, let's pray as we open God's Word together today. Lord Jesus, we are just in awe of you. We are so grateful for you, Jesus, as we've just reflected on your, the depths of your love for us, the wonders of the grace that you show towards us, the lengths that you went to bring us back into relationship, proper right standing with your Father. And so, God, today we just pray that you would move in our hearts, that you would guide us, that you would encourage us, that you would rebuke us, that you would enlarge our vision to see you in more beautiful and life-changing ways. And God, that as we open your word, that we would not merely just be seeing words jump off the page, but we would see it for what it is, bread, things to, to eat and chew on and sustain us through every single season of life. So God, would you move? Would you just guide us how you will this morning? And we just want to go further in you, go further in your ways in the way of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who has read The Pilgrim's Progress? Anyone? A couple of people? Or that's what it is for short. It's actually called Pilgrim's Progress from this world to that which is to come. Uh, and if you've never read it before, it was written all the way back in the 1600s, 1678. And to say that it is one of the most influential Christian books ever would be an understatement. It really is. Um, it has never been out of print, never once, since it was introduced, and it has since been translated into over 200 languages going all around the globe. And it's even been translated into the language of modern-day English too. I was in Kurong the other day, and you can actually download today's modern version, um, of which without all the vowels and arts, which is disappointing, Jeff, isn't it? You need those to make it authentic. But anyway, if that's not your thing, I encourage you, still read it because you can get it at Kurong. Anyway, in, in The Pilgrim's Progress, there's many, many beautiful quotes, but there's a powerful quote about humility. You might have heard this before. John Bunyan writes, He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Isn't that beautiful? Simple, profound. And these words, these particular words were actually adapted into a hymn, which if you are watching online, there's a little link there in today's live stream. You can hit that and you can listen to a recording. And aptly titled, He That Is Down Needs Fear No Fall. That's what it's called. So check that out, and all of us as well. I encourage you, have a listen to that this week. Now, I'm sure that most of us here today, and, and even those of us who might be on a journey of, of checking out Christianity, is this something, who's this Jesus, what's it all about, is he worth following, is he worth actually giving my life to follow? You're no doubt kind of contemplating whether you're actually going to take that step. But most of us want God to be our guide in life, don't we? 
We want to follow Jesus. We want to know him more. We want to experience intimate moments, the fullness of life, the abundant life that Jesus declares he is all about in John 10.10. The life that God says is ours to enjoy only through faith in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there are so many There are so many things that can keep us, can rob us from experiencing this life with Jesus. And I want to suggest that one of the most dangerous ones, one of the most deceptive ones, is this, one of the, as they call them, the seven deadly sins, the sin of pride. You know, Scripture is full of warning after warning about the dangers of pride and the wisdom in seeking humility. Consider these quick examples. Prophet Micah, you might have heard this passage before. It encourages us in what God requires of us. Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Proverbs, Old Testament, full of short and longer wise sayings, wisdom literature, that speak over and over again to the dangers of pride. Proverbs 3.34, it says, He, that's God, mocks proud mockers, but shows favour to the humble and oppressed. Proverbs 11.2, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16.18, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty, which means arrogant, superior, disdainful, spirit before a fall. And James references pride in his New Testament letter, James 4, 6, and he's actually quoting Proverbs 16, 18. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Peter, he encourages us as believers to actually put on or other translations say, to clothe yourself with humility. And again, funnily enough, also references Proverbs 16, 18 in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. He says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And Paul calls us to the very same thing in his letter to the Colossians. He urges us to clothe ourselves or to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. And then in Ephesians 4.2, we looked at this passage a little while ago. Paul urges followers to, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've received, yeah? And he says this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Over and over and over again. That's just a snapshot, but there's plenty more. Have a search for yourself this week. Scripture highlights the dangers associated with pride and the godly wisdom associated, the better way of humility. And as, we, as we've looked at recently, this better way is a better way because it's a way of the better one, Jesus. As we looked at a few weeks ago in our Hearts to Serve message, Jesus is the polar opposite to being proud, isn't he? He is as humble as they come. He was and is, continues to be, incredibly humble. 
incredibly approachable. Jesus humbled himself, willingly took on the form of a servant for our sake. And you can read that in Philippians chapter 2 yourself sometime. Because humility is a posture that glorifies God, isn't it? If God, if God opposes the proud, it means the proud cannot glorify him, doesn't it? But humility glorifies God and those who are humble find grace. If pride is, as one writer puts it, simply an arrogant attitude that manifests itself as independence from God, that hurts, doesn't it? If that's what pride is, an arrogant attitude that manifests itself as independence from God, we're all guilty of this. We're all susceptible to genuinely being proud and succumbing to the clutches of pride. So, if this is a trap for all of us, because it is, people looking away, it's all right, but it is, it really is. If this is a trap for all of us, how do we best guard these things, guard our hearts, so that we don't become proud? Or if we do, we're quick to repent and not stay proud. How do we embrace and embody, put on or clothe ourselves with humility so that we can follow Jesus in his better way? Well, today what I'm going to do is just share three quick ideas with us and I've, I've looked into a whole bunch of things and I found a great article called Eight Ways to Be More Humble. So again, that is on a link is on our recording of today, so you can go and get that later on. And this is an article by Jane Tua, who is a lecturer at Moore Theological College up in Sydney. So isn't it great to read the gold from Aussie women theologians? It's brilliant. So you can read all eight of her wise ideas sometime this week. All right, so here's the first I'm going to share to encourage us today. To guard our hearts against pride and grow in humility, we'd be wise to regularly practice thankfulness to God. Regularly practice thankfulness to God. There's nothing like taking the focus off ourselves, is there, to temper the development of pride? Don't you think? This, this spiritual rhythm, if you like, or a spiritual discipline, because that's what it is. Sometimes we don't like that word discipline, but in the end, if we're not disciplined in life, we don't achieve much in life, do we? Discipline is a good thing. It's good to be disciplined. It's good to practice spiritual disciplines because in the end, they help us to grow and know Jesus. Anyway, so this spiritual rhythm or discipline, practicing thankfulness to God is is incredibly helpful for us, especially as we live in this fallen, broken, sinful world. Because this world, while it doesn't necessarily promote pride as being like a, a sought-after attribute or something like that, the way our world is structured and wired certainly very quickly pulls people towards becoming proud, doesn't it? Why? Well, simply because the focus is always on me. Number one. You, me, me, me. That's, that's all we hear all the time. You know, you can achieve it. Work hard. You'll be a self-made woman. Don't need no man. Be a self-made woman. And all the other mantras of our positive modern age. It's all about me. You can achieve anything you put your mind to. 
You don't need anything other external from yourself. Trust in your heart. Believe in what your heart tells you to do. That's going to go well. The heart is wicked and deceitful above all things, Scripture says. Believe in your heart is the worst thing you can tell a young child nowadays. And all the other mantras of our postmodern age. And, and what happens is, little by little, moment by moment, we start believing it, and then it starts to actually shape our sense of self-worth and identity. And before you know it, we're looking at what we're doing or perhaps what we're not doing in comparison to other people, and either we're becoming proud or we're becoming despondent because we're not looking to the one who's made us and tells us who we are for our sense of self-worth and identity, but we're looking within. That's an incredibly dangerous trap. You know, we might be thinking about how we look, looking at how beautiful we are on our Instagram selfies, how many likes we get, how much money we have, that's a dangerous trap today. Look on the news. Um, what did I see the other day? What was the title? Oh, something about, yeah, um, self-made man, $3 million in property assets by the age of whatever. It's like, that's great. It's got like a townhouse in Melbourne. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look how successful we are. And then what happens Subtly or even just overnight, it can happen very quickly too. We just become proud. We think we got it. We think we've made it. Look at me. Ho ho. And I good. And we become proud. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so this is why practicing thankfulness to God is such a powerful and key tool in our arsenal in defeating pride. Because when we express thankfulness to God, what happens? These eyes don't go here, they go there. Our eyes, our thoughts move from focusing on number one. Oh, aren't I great? Look how successful I am. Aren't I a handsome fella? You know, whatever it is, to all of a sudden, God, you are glorious. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of your hands. You are so good. I'm so glad, Jesus, that I get to even have another breath today so I can enjoy you and the beautiful people you've created. When our hearts shift, when we consider and think of him, we're actually looking to him and then we rest in him and then before we know it, our thoughts and our hearts are consumed by him and not consumed by any other earthly pleasure or pursuit that are fleeting and are not anywhere near as valuable. And all of a sudden, we're not thinking of ourselves as being wonderful or in control we're actually passing the glory and the honour on to the only one who's worthy of our, of our praise and our glory and our honour. We're looking to the only truly wonderful and glorious one, Jesus himself. As uh, David Powell, author of the book Thanksgiving, suggests, it's in this regular practice of expressing thanksgiving to God that our relationship with God is nurtured. Through thanksgiving, gracious acts are remembered and the life of a person is thereby changed. Isn't that true? Does anyone actually make a habit of writing down things that you've seen God do to actually remember them? <laughs> because how, I don't know, I, I've found over the years, when I have, it's been so good. 
But when, it's have, when I haven't, so quickly I, I forget. And I, I lose that grateful spirit. And I forget, oh yeah, that's right, God, you really did come through for that person. That's, that's amazing. Maybe that's something we could do as well, keep a little gratefulness journal of all the ways that God has come true. You know, let's, let's grow as people like this, people who, as the psalmist writes of in Psalm 106 verse 1, says, praise the Lord and give thanks to him for his goodness and steadfast love. Let's, let's be those kind of people. So that's the first. To guard our hearts against pride and to grow in humility, we'd be wise to regularly practice thankfulness to God. And here's the second, regularly confess our sins. <gasps> I said it. We don't like confession. I'm not Catholic, Joel. No, but you're a Christian. So get confessing. Get on your knees. It'll go well for you. You know, it's not always a popular thing to talk about in Christian circles today. However, just like practicing thankfulness to God, confessing our sins is a powerful and effective tool to experiencing the kind of life Jesus has for us and in guarding our hearts against pride. John writes in 1 John 1.9 about confession. He says, this is about Jesus. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Like, naturally, for those of us who've placed our salvation in Jesus, we have been cleansed. We have been um, washed as white and as pure as snow. But there's a reality, isn't there, that as we go through life and as we have experiences and different things and our, our own brokenness, that this needs to be experienced as well. Because who knows that if... Has anyone ever gone a season where you just haven't really confessed or owned anything for a while? Yep, I think we all have. How do you feel after a month or so of that? Not great. Not great at all. However, when we do confess our sins and make a regular habit of it, coming before the Lord and saying, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the way I spoke to Marilyn. She didn't deserve it. She only took my car park. Like, and then what happens? Instantly, we feel cleansed. We feel that this unrighteousness that's been plaguing us and weighing on us and on our hearts and on our bodies physically, because there is, there's like a weight to sin, isn't there? But as soon as we let it go and confess, we feel free once more. Jesus, again, cleanses us from the effects of unrighteousness. And you know what I've found personally? You might have found this too. Often, when being faithful in the practice of confession it's actually led me very quickly back to point one, back to expressing thankfulness to God. Because, well, as Jane Tour explains in her article, she says, when we confess, we gain a deeper appreciation of grace and what we have been saved from. God's forgiveness gives us peace and security and therefore the freedom to grow in humility. Don't we all need that? You know, when we confess and when we experience the peace and sense of freedom that comes from being in that vulnerable place with our maker, sitting at his feet, we're humbled and we're in awe of him. 
and that all we experience, that our Saviour Jesus, through his finished work on the cross, has forgiven our sins and has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, that, I think it's a given. It's, it's not maybe it will. It does. It leads us to express genuine gratitude, genuine thankfulness to God. Have you experienced this before, friends? No? <laughs> a few of us? Good. You know, as, as you're sitting at Jesus' feet, as you're confessing your sins, have you experienced that, that beautiful spiritual washing, that deep sense of, of something's going on, God's moving and, and cleaning and restoring and making me feel human again? Has this intimacy with your Lord then led you, almost without any thought, like it's not even a conscious thing, to just suddenly burst out in praise to God? Certainly been my experience from time to time through confession. And there's great power in confession if we want to guard our hearts because we need to guard our hearts. It's a wellspring of life. Like we need to guard our hearts against pride. We do well to regularly confess our sins. To God? Absolutely. And there's also great power in confessing your sins to another human being who you trust, who you know isn't going to go and say, Oh, Cam, to someone else. Just someone you trust. There's great power in that. Why? Because Satan loves to work in shadows and darkness. But as soon as things are brought out into the light, they're broken. They're gone, you know? The weight of that, the power of that is, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved, you know? It's that kind of thing. But even more so when Jesus is involved. Because all of a sudden you're confessing, you're going to a, a, a solid, faithful person who will keep maintaining confidentiality, and you're saying, man, I'm really struggling with this. Can you pray with me? I, I just feel like this is such a burden for me. And they do, and then all of a sudden you're feeling light again, and you're able to press on. And then you might have a, another friend who will be able to encourage you on the journey as well. How are you doing? Are you still walking in freedom? All that kind of stuff. Powerful, powerful thing. And it's a powerful, powerful thing when it comes to dealing with pride, isn't it? There's nothing like bringing pride under control because what's pride, really? Thinking we're really good. <laughs> and if, if uh, we are able to actually communicate to someone else that we might look good, but we're actually not really that good. There's a lot going on under the surface that you don't see. That's a great way to keep us humble and keep us in that right place. All right, so to guard our hearts against pride and to grow in humility, we'd be wise to regularly practice thankfulness to God, confess our sins, and here's the third and final I want to share today. Consider others before ourselves. This is yet another beautiful medicine, if you like, to temper the daily disease of pride in our self-focused world. Just like with practicing thankfulness to God, considering others before ourselves is a powerful tool in ensuring that we don't get deceived or just slowly slip away and become hardened of heart and proud. As Rick Warren rightly says in his book, he sold a couple of these, The Purpose Driven Life, he says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I like that. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. 
the humblest people, they're not wallowing around like, a, oh, woe is me, I'm a worm, you know. What a sinful wretch I am, you know. Like, it's not the kind of worm theology experience. They don't, they don't think less of themselves. They still, most of them will have a very healthy view of themselves. Their view of themselves is all the healthier, though, because they're not fixed and focused on number one. <laughs> but they're focused on the interests of others, humbly following in the way of Jesus. As Paul writes in Philippians 2, 3 to 4, verses just prior to the ones we looked at before, um, Paul writes, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Friends, as we look to Jesus' example, as we allow Holy Spirit to do the work in our hearts, because who knows, wanting to, working hard to be humble is not something we can really do. We can do certain things like these kind of practices that will help us, but the power is not in us, the power is in Jesus. And that goes for anything in spiritual life, doesn't it? We can, we can work hard and try and try and try, but in the end, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that our hearts are truly transformed, our lives are truly changed. And Holy Spirit will empower us to walk in Jesus' way of humility. And as we do this, we find that we slowly start, step by step, walking it out. Not looking to our own interests, which ultimately are selfishness and pride, but instead following Jesus in looking to the, meet the interests of others which is selflessness and humility. And a beautiful thing happens in us, doesn't it? When, when, when Holy Spirit grips our heart, when he does the work in, in shaping us more and more to conform into the image of God's own son. And it, a beautiful thing also happens in the world around us. As this happens, as we choose the upside-down way of his kingdom, the way of humility and others-focused, not the way of pride and self-focus. Considering the interests of others before our own interests is a powerful way of guarding our hearts against pride and growing in humility. Now look, friends, as I said earlier, all of us, we're all susceptible to becoming proud from time to time. might be a seasonal thing, it might just be a struggle that some of us have ongoing. This is the reality of living in the world in which we're in, in a broken world that is not how God ever intended it to be. This is one of these things that as humans we struggle with. And what we also struggle with is wanting to do life in our own strength, don't we? We do. We think and we're told it in media all the time. You can be self-sufficient, work hard, you can provide for yourself, for your family, make these financial investments and by the age of 65, you'll be, have this much in your super, you know, all this stuff. It's not a bad thing, don't get me wrong. These are wise principles. However, if we're only doing all those things in our own strength, we're missing the point of this life. Life 
is best lived. Life is only ever going to be abundant when it's lived in step with Jesus. When we live step by step, day by day, humbly at the feet of our Saviour. Here I am, Lord. Send me, use me, speak to me, guide me. Keep me humble. Keep me in this posture. We can't follow Jesus' way in our own strength for very long at all because Jesus' ways are only ever meant to be um, followed in relationship with him. And so if we, if we invite Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, and this is what I encourage us all to do this morning, even right now as I close up, as we shift our eyes away from ourselves and onto Jesus, great things are going to happen. That's just the reality. Great things are going to happen. Our hearts will change, yes. Our focus is going to shift and Holy Spirit will actually lead and grow us in the better way, in Jesus' way of humility. And the question, as with anything that the Holy Spirit wants to do, and Holy Spirit always wants to do a new thing in us, never satisfied, and we should never be satisfied with where we're at on our walk with Jesus as well. But the question is, are we willing? Are we actually willing? Am I willing? Am I willing? Are we willing to to humble ourselves initially, to do what we can and and actually come down from our lofty lofty pedestal, self-made, gold-plated? Come down from our lofty heights and humble ourselves before the one true God, the only one who's worthy to be elevated, the one who in all reality could be filled with pride on the basis of all he's ever done and achieved and yet is the most humble, lowly of all. Will we humble ourselves before our maker so he can, as James says in James 4.10, exalt us by growing in his likeness, by growing in humility. May all of us, may we all, heed the wisdom of Proverbs 3.34 and allow Holy Spirit to lead us in humility so we can walk in favour with God and reflect him faithfully to others. Amen? How about we just pray as we close? And even as I'm praying, just I encourage you, where you are, just open your heart to Holy Spirit afresh today. This isn't something, I'm sure I'm not the only one who from time to time can struggle with feelings of pride or whatever. It's a common experience for us all. Let's just open our hearts today and allow Holy Spirit to minister to us. Thank you, God. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we, we thank you so much that it's not by might, not by power, but my, my spirit, says the Lord. That it's by you, Jesus. It's by your power alone that we are transformed, that we are saved in the first place, And then that we continue to grow to become like you, the process of sanctification. It's all, we partner with you, sure, but it's all fueled by your power, all fueled by your desire to see us grow further and further like your son. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray today that we would do that, that we would humble ourselves, that we would get down off the throne, that we would refuse to to 
as our definition said earlier, that we would refuse to be in a place of pride where we're actually standing in direct opposition to you. Lord, that you would help us to step down into the only true safe place, the place of blessing, the place of abundance, the place of joy forevermore, that being your very presence, where you are, Jesus. And instead of being proud and elevated ourselves, Lord, may we humble ourselves in the way, in the spirit in which you humbled yourself by not counting equality with God something to be grasped, but coming down as one of us, taking on the form of a servant and dying, having death even to the point of death on a cross. Lord, may we have that same spirit of humility out of adoration, out of thankfulness for you. And God, I pray that as we do that, as we humble ourselves, as you work in our hearts to keep us in that place, to keep us in that beautiful place with that beautiful posture of dependence and joy in your very presence, God, that you would then continue to outwork in us a genuine desire to practice thankfulness to you, to guard our hearts by practicing thankfulness, to to resist the urge to become proud by confessing our sins before you. And Lord, also that another safeguard, God, that you would grow us as people who aren't only looking to meet the needs of number one, but that we would be very quick to be looking to meet the needs of others before our own. And in doing so, God, following you in your humble, sacrificial-hearted ways. So Holy Spirit, move in us, shape us, make us more like Jesus, we pray. And may that be good fruit to come about for us in our lives, Lord, for our families, for our friends, God. But broader than that, Lord, as we are more and more like you, humble, servant-hearted people, that that would have a profound impact on the world around us in our workplaces, God, in our schools, in our universities, in aged care facilities, in all the various sectors of our world in which we interact. We pray, God, that you would grow us as humble followers of Jesus. And as we go out, that we would be walking in the same way that Jesus walked. And that would be beautiful. That would be attractive. And Holy Spirit, we pray humbly that you would use us as your witnesses, as your ambassadors in drawing people to want to seek out relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you save people, God, even as we humble ourselves before your throne of grace and allow you to grow us in your son's likeness. So God, have your way, we pray. We thank you for, yeah, we do. We just want to practice thankfulness and say we are in awe of you, Jesus. We are in awe of you. We are so grateful for you. Thank you that you've shown us the way. And it's a way that we can follow as we partner with you, Holy Spirit. So we choose this today. And may we choose it each and every day as we wake and resolve to get into our days. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.